0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Anyway, we're doing this series we started last week on grace. And and I don't know about you, but I love grace. I love when people give me grace. I love the fact there's times that I don't have it figured out and I've messed up and I've blown it and people say, "You know what? It's okay. It's okay." It's going to be all right. Oh, thank you so much. Now, on the other hand, how about you? But I have a tough time giving grace. Especially people want to keep getting grace for me. Especially when people go, you, "You, can I just have a little bit, and you're like, well, now, if I give it to you, then I got to give it to other people, and that wouldn't be fair. And, and yet there's times that I do, and it seems like I, I get caught up in enabling them and their dysfunction, rather than really what they truly need. So grace is actually kind of complicated. But the, the fact is this, is we actually... Don't give ourselves a whole lot of grace. Some of you might, but most of us are works critics. And so grace is a big topic that really is, especially when we're talking about God's grace. Do we really understand the grace of God, this amazing gift as we talked about last week? It saves our souls, but if we just look at grace as simply just this gift, which it, it totally is. But we just look at the gift as just simply forgiving us of our sin that we look at grace as simply just like a spiritual bar of soap that washes over us on Sundays. And then we just do what we want during the week. And then we come back and go, oh, I'm so dirty. I need God's grace again. But we can, we can find ourselves doing that. But really what it, grace is something that is leading us to, in fact, it's an invitation, not as an excuse but an invitation to follow Jesus. Last week we challenged everyone don't just live in a forgiveness only gospel, be empowered. And the empowerment Jesus says to come follow Him. To, to, to what we said was be one, make one. To be a disciple and make a disciple. And I hope that you had disciple making opportunities this last week. But what I found in my conversation people the last 25 years as a pastor, there is a tension that happens with grace. Not only in a personal tension when it comes of giving grace and receiving grace, but also when it comes to grace how God treats his grace and what God offers us. Because we start talking about God's grace, people think, okay, he's a God of grace. There's some of us get a little nervous about that because we might think that people think of us that we think God is soft on sin, and he's clearly not. If you think God's soft and sin, you, you haven't read the whole Bible. And nations are annihilated. I mean, not exactly the warm, fuzzy God that sometimes people think he is. And scripture expresses God in his wrath. But we need to understand that God and his love and his wrath go, go hand in hand. Out of his great love, he poured out his wrath. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. No, because God's holy. God is all, all perfect and, and just, and He needed to deal with the sin that was in the hearts of man. And so when He expresses, He doesn't pour out hate towards us, He hates our sin. And God's anger is not because he, he's trying to get his way. No, he's holy, and so with that knowing that there, he's a God of grace, but he's a God of wrath that brings a lot of tension. And it happened all throughout history. If you read the Old Testament, you find that's a, a bit of a challenge here. God loving His people, bringing His children unto Himself, as the, specifically the Hebrew nation of Israel. On the other hand, He poured out His wrath upon them. But He's doing what a father and mother do: is disciplines those, His His, ch- his child. God helped them along and gave them a set of rules to follow. And rules are always great to help you kind of keep the boundaries in which you are. But the problem with the rules that were given, they were given from God, is man couldn't keep the rules. In fact, if you, you, of the Ten Commandments, that turn into about 600 and so commandments, no one could follow all of them. In fact, of the Ten Commandments, you break one of them, you break all of them. And so no one could live up to that standard of perfection. Nobody could. Nobody could. So God knew at the time and the right time and the right place that what needed to happen was out of his great glove that God incarnate through the life of Jesus would, and I love how John, John was one of those early eyewitnesses that John writes, he says, we beheld his glory and that he was full of grace and truth. I love that about Jesus. He wasn't half grace and half truth. He was all grace and all truth at the same time. And we see that expressed in his life and ministry of grace. That, that he reached out to the rejected, the screw ups, the mess ups, the not good enoughs. They, they, they weren't going to make it. They weren't able to live up to those rules. And yet there was a, a group of people thought they could or tried to, to do that was the religious. And there was this tension between grace and truth. That Jesus and his mastery was able to walk right in between both grace and truth unfortunately not everyone was buying into it and it it still was the case today even 2,000 years later we're still got this battle between grace and guilt-ridden religion that happens it it happens all the time unfortunately even happens in, in in years within our own lifetime I know about 30 years ago I had a friend his name was Dean, and I'd work with him and doing some landscaping, and he kind of had this surfer kind of language. He'd be like, "Dude, I had this incredible experience," and and someone was like, "Okay, was that pot infested? What you you know? What, what inspired? You know what happened?" But he would go, "No, no, no." He goes, "I was walking my dogs. He lived up near Sehome Hill. I was walking my dogs, dude, and and drinking a beer, and I was just I was just I was up there, and I had a God experience. I had a God experience. I can't explain." He's crying like this is legit like he even took me up to the place at see hill and he's kind of like who's right here man it was right here i had this experience with god and i'm not i'm not mocking it he did he did i could tell and he shared this 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 warmth and this love and all that described that it was god speaking to him because i don't know what to do i said well why'd you come to church Oh dude I've never been to church before I said no come with me Come to this church And so I didn't know what Sunday he was coming I said come to, come to church And so I walk in the church and, Or he walked in the church And I didn't know this at the time He walks in As soon as he walks through the doors You know the first question Someone asked him in the door Was one of the greeters You know what they asked him It wasn't welcome Great to have you here at this church It was like young man It's the house of God You need to take your ball cap off like, My ball cap? He goes no you need to take that hat off This is the house of God We respect the Lord here Take your hat off I mean, it was really kind of right in his face kind of thing. And so he tells me, he goes, I was kind of embarrassed because I have like hat hair. You know, and I just, I took it off and I went in the service and all he could get, over, he can get over that. He get over that. Immediately he, he was judged walking through the door. And he used that as his excuse never to come back to that church. He used it as an excuse and, and it grieved me. It grieved me like, no, not everybody's like that. I don't care. I'm out. And he felt judged that way. And he felt that way. And I, and I, and I, I grieve that. I'm, and so I'm so glad at Christ the King, I mean, we don't have a dress code. Just come dressed, okay? That's what matters to us here. Come as you are. Wear a cap. Wear a sombrero. It does kind of block people seeing the screens of worship, but whatever works, right? But come, and you feel welcome. We take pride in that. We want this to be a place of grace, we also want to express both grace and truth. Both are important. See, this is what we're going to talk about grace here today, is that grace is not just meant to make it just be an excuse. Grace, God's grace is not meant just to excuse us, but to empower us. That we want to just excuse, okay, well, God, grace to you, but something that empowers us in a deep way. You know, we read last week, you know, and and we we even read it out loud, Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace we are saved through faith, it's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works that no man should boast. We know this incredible, incredible gift of grace that we have, that none of us can earn it or buy it or beg God or brown-nose God for it. But on the other hand, on the opposite side, if you're here today and you're going, I've I've been a mess-up, screw-up, there's no way I can earn or deserve or anything that I should deserve God's grace, which is true, but I want you to know is no matter what you've done, no matter twisted and dark and everything you've gone through in life, guess what? That grace is available for every single one of us. You're not disqualified from that. Every single person. And this is expressed in Jesus. And, and so we challenged last week that as this is a free gift, it's not, it wasn't free to Jesus. That Jesus paid, Was we he's saying this morning, he paid the highest price His very blood on the cross for us. And our challenge is not to cheapen that grace, but to be empowered from it. And one of the great expressions, one of my favorite expressions of this balance between grace and truth was given by Jesus. And I want to unpack here in the remaining minutes this morning. And so we'll stick over if you can hang out just a little bit more here with me. We might be going over on this, but I think it's important. John chapter 8. You can turn your Bibles or Bible app. You can look on the screen. And I want to start in verse 3. But you need to know just before that, that Jesus is preaching and teaching to the people. And gets interrupted. And there's just so many times that Jesus gets interrupted by these religious people. And, they, they're, and you, right here is one of those examples. Is that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such woman. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Well, what's happening here? It's, it's very clear. They're trying to set him up. They're trying to trick him. And what's sick about what they're trying to do? They drag this woman. I mean, I'm sure they could find a lot of people around doing a lot of things, maybe even committing adultery. But they found this woman, and she is a double victim. Not only is she well a victim; she's she's brought before them, and it's almost as bait. He they use this woman to. They don't care about the woman; they care about getting Jesus and put Jesus in a dilemma. It is a dilemma because by law, the Jewish law and the Levitical code in chapter 20 of your Bibles and my Bibles, it says, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with that wife, his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. That's what the Jewish law was. It was the rules that were there. And it's interesting. And you read that and you're like, okay, that's the, the, this the technical side of what that is. I'm reading it going, well, if that's the case, where's the dude? Where's the dude that she did this with? That's not the issue. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about her. It was about Jesus. Let well, me just ask you, you ever been set up before? You ever been set up? You, you end up being the fall guy, the fall girl, and, 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 and you, you were big, not because of what you, you did or what they did. A teacher thinking you cheated, but then some kid, next, punk kid next to you is the one cheating off you, and you're accused of that. A spouse who steps out on you but drags you through divorce court blaming you for everything. A co-worker or boss messes up and attaches attaches your name to it. You get fired. Framed a crime you didn't commit. I know there's people in our church that that's happened to them. They, they served time for a little bit until they're exonerated. See, if you ever felt trapped or entrapped, Jesus can relate with you. It wasn't about what was happening. He was about to set up Jesus. And, he, and so what does Jesus do to respond to these religious bullies? He has two choices. He's either going to go soft or he follows the law. That seemed to be the choices between. Now think about this. If he went soft, he could say, hey guys, come on, come on, give, give her a break. She has nothing to do. it. You have beef with me. Don't bring her into it. That's not right. If he did that, if he kind of softens what she actually did, guess what? He also could be accused of, of endorsing this, and he could be stoned to death. That's what he faced. On the other hand, if he caved in to the angry mob and he he could fall, help follow the letter of the law, or he gonna go like you stoner, that's your job, fine. I'm not I'm gonna wash my hands of it, that's her problem. What he's in doing then is he shows no compassion to her, which is the very heart. of of grace that jesus so he's caught in this grace truth grace truth what does jesus do what many are watching him in the the center of the town in the center of the community how is he going to respond now we're going to get how to respond here in a moment let me ask you or, or point out to you is there not people watching us in the center of our community They're watching us. How are we going to respond to the challenges that we face? How are we going to handle those who are not exactly good, clean church folk? How are we going to offer the love and acceptance and forgiveness that's on our mission statement? They're actually going to live out and consider those that maybe don't deserve it that much. The community is watching us. And and, and 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 now in this Jerusalem courtyard, they're asking, Jesus, what are you going to do? Well, you know what he does is he... He stoops. He stoops. Doesn't pick up stones, but he bends down. He says this. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But listen to what it says. But Jesus bent down and started riding on the ground with his finger. When they, when they, when they kept on questioning, him, he straightened up and said to him, let any one of you who is without sin be the one to f- first to throw the, a stone at her. Again, he stooped down, rode on the ground at this those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with this woman standing there. If there was a, a news outlet that came in there, if there was a newspaper reporter and they were going to write the headlines in the Jerusalem Wall Journal or whatever you want to call it, this is what the line headline would be. Grace stoops to stop guilt-ridden stone throwers. Grace stoops to stop guilt-ridden stone. Stone throwers. Jesus, full of grace and truth, is confronted, and you know what he does? He chooses neither. What does Jesus do? Do you ever wonder what Jesus wrote? Jesus begins to write in the dirt. Jesus, God Himself, God the Son begins to write, if he is no all, end all, omnipotent God, all knowledge, what do you think he's writing? Some would say maybe he was writing the, the sins of those guys, those the accusers themselves. What dirt does he know that he would write in the dirt about them? Some would say, well, maybe it was the names of women they have been with and done the same. What did he write? Nobody knows nobody knows. But whatever it was, he stooped down and wrote the truth. And it was provocative enough that caused these guys to scatter like rats in daylight. And the old guys were wise. They left first. And then the, the young cocky guys were like, I guess we're leaving too. No one else to kind of be together in an angry mob. All alone, Jesus is alone with this woman. Imagine, she's looking the eyes of Jesus, just him. Stoop down, not to grab any stones but quite the opposite. Here is a place in a moment where guilt is dissolved and a wonderful, greater expression even of of, of grace that happens here that we're going to look at. It says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. A moment of grace expressed not only to remove the guilt of sin, not only to offer forgiveness, not only to get her off the hook and get her out of the mess and actually her escaping death, but a statement of empowerment to live a life of new freedom that would be her choice. And guess what's a choice we all have as well? This morning you might relate with not just her, but, but others in this in this story. You, you might relate with this woman or... or or like my friend Dean, who felt criticized and judged and condemned. You might have felt like one of the religious rule keepers. That in fact you lived a life of judge, you would judge your judge, 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 kind of like judge you, judge, 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 judge people, and then you realize, like, uh oh, Jesus begins to write in the dirt about your dirt, and you're going, ooh, ooh, maybe not. Or for some of us, it's okay to admit that we're like Jesus that we've lived in this tension of grace and truth and where do, we, where do we give it? Whatever it might be, let me just share with you just a, three thoughts, just three thoughts before we close as we move on from this day is this, how do we go from guilt to grace? How do we go guilt to grace? Well, there's a contrast. See, guilt condemns, but grace really extends. I don't know about you, there's nothing worse than walking in a room when, when everybody's accusing you of something, some of you have been supervisors and you, the company made a decision and nobody likes it. All your people, your team, hate the company and guess what? They're going to take it out on you. And you're just like, no, let me tell you. And you're like, everybody. You might be in a situation with family where you've done something wrong or been accused of doing something and all eyes are on you and you're, you're facing this with your own family. Some of you have walked into a courtroom and all, you are the being accused. And there's accusers in that room that are accusing you of a crime or something. And deep down, you really didn't do, or maybe you did do. And you know the feeling. You know that guilt that was there. And you need a picture here. Jesus, this woman who's caught in adultery, she knows, she did do this. She's caught in it. There's evidence of that. That she's thrown to the ground in this stone-throwing moment. Because all those dudes left... Except Jesus, who easily could pick up the stone and throw it at her. Why? He, without sin, cast the first stone. There's only one guy left, and he ain't sinning. and hasn't sinned. He's sinless. But instead of reaching down for the stone, he reaches down and grabs her hand and lifts her up. Jesus becomes, rather than a stone thrower, a life lifter. He lifts her up can I encourage us, Christ the King, can we no longer be stone throwers, no longer condemning this world and judging this world and everybody in this world. And, and, and I'm not saying that you are or not. I'm just saying that mentality and that, attitude, that we rather being accused of being stone throwers, that we would be life lifters. The people that need to be lifted out, that need help to be rescued from. They're in the muck and their mire and they're in their dysfunction and the addictions and the struggles that they have. And I know they don't look bright and cheery at times. I know they don't look really good on the, you know, on the outside, but there's a heart of brokenness on the inside. There's the condemned, there's the accused, there's people that so just desperately need a moment of dignity and this moment of grace. Say, hey, let me help you to be life lifters. But not everybody will respond. There's still some seats available in here today. And people passing by. They care, like, Diddley Scott, what we're doing, all that. That's, that's them. And hopefully God will get their attention to them. Oh, by the way, I got to tell you this story. In, in, uh, waiting on the time, but it's so important. There's a gentleman that came in after the service today. And he doesn't normally come to our, to, to our church at all. He woke up on this morning and he heard, that he thought he heard this first. He says, uh, see the case he heard this message. It was like audible, like see the case. He's like, see the case. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, CTK. And and so he came to church because he heard the audible voice of God, CTK. He shows up here and here's the message. What the message spoke to him was because he has been being accused of a crime he didn't commit. And not only that, he's been struggling judging the people that are accusing him of that crime. He's not only the accused, but the accuser at the same moment. And here's the message for him today. And I have the opportunity to pray with him. So if you're kind of like, if God's speaking, oh yeah. Audibly he heard CTK. And I'm telling you, God's speaking to us. And he's saying, let's not be the ones to condemn Let's be the ones that lift up. I hope and pray that our doors continue to open to the people that can come in this place. And it doesn't mean we don't speak truth. In fact, you're here today because what you like about what we try to do is we try to shoot straight. We're not, not try to fluff anything here. So we need the truth, but it's packaged and shared in the, in the context and the relationship of grace. We're not here to condemn anybody, but we're here to encourage people. condemnation is not of God, by the way. Condemnation is pronouncing judgment on a no path out. Conviction. Only the Holy Spirit does this work. Convicts the heart and convicts a person of their sin to turn. And and so Jesus is here and he's speaking to people as he's speaking to this woman. No, God. Guilt, guilt, guilt condemns, but grace extends. Also know this, secondly, is this, grace accuses, but, I'm sorry, guilt accuses, but grace forgives. Guilt accuses, grace forgives. And, I, and, 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 and I'll tell, tell you this story, is, oh, and it's, it's a real life thing that happened. If I mention the name Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. some of you are like, okay, do you need to bring him up? Well, the Milwaukee monster, what, what disturbed me about Jeffrey Dahmer is that he not only murdered 17 people and cut their bodies up and put them in a freezer. That's disturbing. But not only that, he ate them. You're like, seriously, dude, are you going to tell us? Yeah, no, but that's not what's well, disturbing. What's most disturbing about Jeffrey Dahmer's story is this, that he converted to Christ. That really bugs me. It really bugs me. Just months before he was killed by someone in prison, Dahmer confessed Christ to be his Lord and Savior. He he's claimed that he repented of his sins, felt really really horrible what he'd done. He started, he was baptized. He went to chapel every week. Far as we know, based on the evidence we have, the the Dahmer's in heaven. What about the victims that that he killed? Did they know Christ? That disturbs me. That disturbs me, and that he's in heaven. And I'm thinking, God, you know, at least like can he t- can he taste hell a little bit? Just five minutes. Give him five minutes and he'll, you know, no. Because what I've learned is this, and, and as much as this, it, it's hard to understand that sins washed, souls cleansed, past forgiven, grace to a cannibal. God, that's not right. You can't, you, 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 it's not right. And then I realized something is that, that grace is extended to a cannibal, it's extended to a car thief, it's extended to a guy. That is gossiped, that's talked bad about people. It's everybody. Paul reminds us of this. There is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Here it is. And are justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. No matter who you are, what you've done, you're, you do not stand condemned. When Jesus looks in your eye and, and you're in the dirt, he doesn't look at condemned. He says, no, let me, let me give you the, the way out. My grace extends that far. I don't condemn you. I extend it to you. And, f- and finally, know this. Grace, or sorry, guilt. Guilt incriminates, but grace empowers. Don't miss this. This is crux of this. So important for all of us here. The circle of condemners are gone. The accusers are gone. The looky-loos have moved on. And here's the most liberating portion of scripture I've I found specifically with Jesus where Jesus straightens up and asks her woman where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one sir she said and here it is the most powering moments in scripture he says this neither do I condemn you Jesus declared go and leave your life of sin I believe Jesus is telling us, that, her and telling us here today, no longer are you to be, to be used and abused. No longer you need to sell your body. No longer you need to find value in what men think of you. No. What matters is God, how God sees you. And as Jesus sees you in the eyes and when you're in that dirt, he's not here to write more dirt about you. He's here to lift you out of that dirt. To give you new purpose and new direction, new destiny, we need to understand we can no longer cheapen God's grace any longer just to receive that forgiveness, just to receive that cleansing, and then do nothing with it. We miss it, it's a waste that's there. This grace is extended not only to the guilty, but to some of you might hear me today and you find it the guilt giver, to both. The both, is given to us that we don't stand condemned, but we can walk in this amazing grace. I invite our team to come as we close here. And let me just give you a wrap-up of my, you know, kind of reprise of my friend, Dean. 25 years later, Dean, you know, you know, I love this part about, there's some things about social media I don't like, but Facebook's pretty amazing that someone finds you. I don't know if I found him, he found me, but he'd been living in California, and he, we've, we became Facebook friends. He goes, hey, I'm going to be in Bellingham. Let's meet up. And so we went to our, our favorite place when I was in college, the Old Town Cafe Breakfast. We had breakfast there in, in downtown Bellingham. And him and I, and he's talking. He's still the surfer dude. He's like, dude, what are you up to, dude? You know? And, and I said, he goes, hey, hey. He goes, uh, are you still like, tra- like you were like trained to be like a pastor or something. Are you st- so what happened? He goes, well, I've been a pastor. Really? Where? Birch Bay. He goes, I'm going to go see you do your thing one Sunday. (laughs) Like, yeah, come on out. So Dean comes out, just like this, just like a moment like this before we pray. I have people bow heads and eyes, and he's in the back, kind of wandering around the back, and didn't really sit down, and just kind of, like you said, he's like, oh, can I trust this church? Can I wear my hat? But glad nobody yelled at him, and wearing his hat. He had his ball cap in there, and he, so that's good. And (laughs) he, 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 as we're giving an altar, asking people to respond to Christ, he's in the back going, He's pointing to people to make sure I include them in the prayer. <laughs> you know, like, like he's helping me. And he comes, he come, we come to the back. I said, what was it like? He goes, oh man, that message, that was good. And, you, and you, I was talking on grace. He says, you're talking about people receiving the grace of God and all this thing. But you know what you needed? You, you blew it, dude. You blew it. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I blew it. You, you, didn't, you didn't tell people to do something with it. You need to blankety-blank tell them to do something with it. They need to do something with their life. They left. They didn't, I'm like, oh, you're right. I don't, so I want to dream this moment. We can talk about grace, but we don't do anything with it. It becomes a waste. If you're here, and we take this most expensive grace gift that was we cheapen it, what Jesus did on the cross, if we don't take this and use it, it's a waste. It's a waste. In fact, the danger of not doing and receiving the grace God gives us, and we don't even feel empowered to leave our life of sin and be empowered to the greater purpose God has, the result is this, this is dangerous. We could end up going back to where we came before and even it's worse. Let's not jeopardize that. Let's take my friend's advice. Do something blankety-blank about it. This is your chance. It's your opportunity. Here's the question. Here's the next step. I'm going to give next steps out is this. Who are you going to be a life lifter this week? Rather than being a stone thrower... There's a lot of stone throwers. We can just turn on the media. Stone throwing. Let's be life lifters. Who do you know? Who do you work with? Who's your neighbor? Who's in your own family? There's an opportunity. Those are in the muck and mire and the dirt and being cues and and feeling self-condemned. Say, no, you don't have to go that way. I'm not going to. I don't have stones. Let me help you out of it. Who is that today? Rather than be and be known as a religious church who criticize, judge, and look down and condemn, can we be grace bear- bearers? Can we be people that would extend this grace, be life lifters today? Let's pray together. Father, no way we can express the level of gratefulness for what you've done for us many of us in this room have experienced, in fact, all of us, if we admit it, we experience moments of grace, your grace in our life. Many of us experience that grace as a gift so much that it saved our very soul. Lord, we don't want to cheapen your grace any longer as a forgiveness only, repent only grace. We want to be empowered by your grace. Just as you reached down to this woman and not thrown a rock at her and stoned her, but you picked her up out, Lord, you're here to pick us back out and lift our lives now to empower us to do the same. To be life lifters, to be grace bearers, life lifters to the people around us. If there's some here today and they have not experienced that moment of grace, they need, God, may they just say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. God, I thank you for Daniel who reached out to that atheist band member, not to condemn, but to share. Share in such a way of friendship of who you are. Lord, you're going to give us opportunities this week, all around us, to be able to reach out, where we have maybe even every right, our rights, that we would lay down our rights, a right and wrong toward reaching out to them. God, you're going to put people, give us hypersensitivity, these grace-filled moments to be life lifters because you've lifted us out of the muck and mire. We are grateful, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you in Jesus' name.